I read that a London man had been the victim of 15 car thefts in the past eight years. That's pretty bad luck. The first four cars he owned were all stolen. One was returned, only to have to be stolen again. And just this year, this man was called down to the police station to pick up the cassette player that had been stolen from his car. They had recovered it. And while he was in the police station, something else stole his car. The guy should have got a bumper sticker saying this car is protected by a pit bull. We're continuing our sermon series on the Ten Commandments. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. Because we're looking at the Seventh Commandment. Look at Exodus 20, verse 14. You shall not steal. Martin Luther asked the question again, his famous one. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. So we can steal from God. We can steal from the government. We can steal from other people. There are many, many ways that this commandment applies to us. It is amazing the number of ways that we can steal. I looked up in the dictionary the word for stealing, found 138 synonyms. It's amazing the number of ways a human being can think up to rip off someone else. How do we steal? I've just noted five examples in your notes. Number one, we steal by deceiving customers. Deceiving customers was a problem 3,000 years ago. Look at Amos 6, verse 5. They overcharge, use false measures. They fix the scales to cheat the customer. That sounds pretty current. When a repairman makes unnecessary repairs, a doctor makes unnecessary tests, a salesman skips over the fine print, when you sell a car and you do not tell your problem that you had with it, all that's called stealing. I'm thinking of some of the real estate brochures that I've seen. You talk about creative license. I think some realtors are the most creative people there are. There's that starter home, means one bedroom and no bath. A real challenge means that the home was hit by an A-bomb. A fixer-upper means it's a heap of junk. So we are not to deceive the customer. In your notes number two, we also steal by defrauding employers. I'm not thinking about employee theft, where you pad your expense account or where you take home supplies or equipment. I'm talking about when you simply waste your time on the job. The Bible calls that stealing. Look at Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. If somebody is paying you for your time, and you come in late, and you leave early, You take three coffee breaks and a long, long lunch. There's not a whole lot of time left. 
God's saying that that is stealing. So don't do it. You steal by deceiving the customer, by defrauding your employer. Number three in your notes. We steal by delaying payments. If you got suppliers or a friend who you owe money to them, do not say the check is in the mail. Do it now. Look at Leviticus 19, verse 13. Don't take advantage of anyone. Don't hold back the wages of someone you have hired. Not even for one night. See, some business strategy actually says you bill all your customers immediately and then you will pay your bills in 160 days. And that way you will have their capital for use on your account. But that is stealing. It is their money. They have a right to make their profit on it and their own interests. So don't you do it. Number four in your notes. We steal by deceiving the government. Look at Romans 13. The authorities are working for God. So pay what you owe them. Pay your personal and property taxes. See, tax avoidance, that's good stewardship. And there's no reason you should overpay on taxes or not plan to maximize your money for good. There's nothing wrong with that. But tax evasion, tax evasion is illegal. And God says that is stealing. Don't do it. So we steal by deceiving the customer, by defrauding employers, by delaying payments, by deceiving the government. In your notes number five, we steal by defrauding the Lord. For our month of stewardship education, look at Malachi 3, verse 8. Please read it with me together out loud. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you, God? By withholding tithes and offerings. See, the Bible teaches that you are to give a tenth, the first ten percent of all that you make. It goes back to God in gratitude. In gratitude, why? Because you owe him everything. You would not have anything if it were not for God. And the Bible teaches that you give 10%, you save 10%, you live on 80%. One pastor was preaching through the Ten Commandments. A couple of ladies in his church came up after each of the services. When he preached against murder, the ladies told him, give it to him, pastor, you give it to him. When he was preaching against adultery, they said, pastor, give it to them, pastor, you give it to them. And when he preached about stealing from God, the lady said, now you're meddling, Pastor, you're meddling. That's too personal. We want to look at three reasons why, why I should be honest. Number one, in your notes, I should be honest because I'm being watched. People will steal if they think that they can get away with it. If they think that nobody is going to know about it. If you knew that when you stole something like a towel from the motel, that everybody was going to know about it. Would you steal? Not likely. And so Satan comes along and he says, nobody's going to know that employer is ripping you off. You should be paid more. It's okay to take home extra supplies. It's okay to take that equipment home. Nobody's ever going to know anyway. Nobody will ever find out. Wrong. Look at Job 34. 
God carefully watches the goings-on of all mankind. He sees them all. And no darkness is thick enough to hide evil men from his anger. So it's not true that nobody will know. Important people will. I'm being watched in three ways. Number one, in your notes, you're being watched by God. God is the one you're going to have to give an account to, not anybody else. Nothing escapes God's view. Oh, I may fool other people. I may fool the government. I may fool that insurance company, but I'm not fooling God. And one day I will stand before God and give an account. I am being watched by God. In your notes number two, if you're a parent, you're being watched by your kids. And values, values are caught and not taught. So what is my lifestyle communicating to my kids? Is there anything in my life I would be ashamed of if they knew? See, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your kids is your integrity. And number three in your notes, I am being watched by unbelievers. See, the Bible says to let your light shine so people can see your good works and they will praise your heavenly Father. There are people who may not even like your personality. They may not even agree with our faith, but they will respect your integrity. Every time you live with integrity, you say, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to be dishonest. Then you're giving a witness to the world. You're letting your light shine. So number one, I'm being watched. Number two, on the back of your notes, a second reason why I should be honest, I will reap whatever I sow. Yes, I will reap whatever I sow. Look at Galatians 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. Remember, a man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. Circle that word there, always. It does not say most of the time. It does not say some of the time. But always, count on it. It's a law of the universe. If I plant corn seed, I'm going to get to harvest what? Corn, not potatoes. If I plant apple seeds, I'm going to grow an apple tree, not a peach tree. No matter how much I wish it were a peach tree, it will always be an apple tree. Whatever you give out in life is what you're going to get back. And if I cheat other people... I'm going to get cheated. God says it will happen. You can count on it. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 27. Try to make a profit dishonestly, and you will get your family in trouble. And the newspapers are full of that. Men and women who got their families in trouble because they were making a dishonest profit. So don't do it. You will reap what you sow. So what really motivates dishonesty? Three reasons we steal. In your notes, number one, greed. The Bible says the love of money is the root of evil. It's the idea, it's the myth. that We can, in your notes, get something for nothing. Know anybody like that? That's why people even gamble. They want something for nothing. It's greed. Greed motivates gambling. 
And that's why it becomes a compulsion. It's an addiction for many people. I want to get something for nothing. That's also why God does not want you to gamble. He does not want you to trust luck or to trust fate or to trust chance to receive his good gifts. God wants you to depend on him and not the lottery, not the casino. You don't get something for nothing. There's no free lunch. If it is, then it's an illegitimate lunch through your greed. Number two, the second reason we steal in your notes is laziness. If I can steal something, then I don't have to work for it. I can take a shortcut. We are a people looking for shortcuts. When con men look for people to scam, what do they look for in your notes? Con men are looking for people who are looking for a shortcut. They're the easiest people in the world to con. People looking for a quick fix, the fast deal. They can be conned very easily. And the old saying is true. You can't cheat an honest man. Because see, he won't fall for a shortcut. He's going to go about it the right way. Number three, the third reason we steal in your notes is pride. Somehow, in our warped sense of values, we get a thrill out of conning other people. Have you ever heard anybody say, boy, I made a steal today, and he's really proud of it? When he cons somebody, he knows it's not a fair deal. That person, however, feels superior. But in your notes, conning people does not prove superior intellect. It just shows an inferior character. Get that down. Conning people doesn't prove superior intellect. It shows rather inferior character. You step lower in order to rip them off. I should be honest because I'm being watched. I'll reap what I sow. Number three in your notes. The third reason why I should be honest. Dishonesty damages my character. See, Jesus said in Mark 8, 36, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Dishonesty shrinks my soul down to the size of a pea. I can give you a dozen reasons to make a lot of money quick, but they're all dishonest. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Look at John 8, verse 44. It says there, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. See, God is always truthful and honest. He's never dishonest. And every time I choose to steal, I'm making a decision in your notes. Am I going to be more and more like Satan, the father of lies? Or am I going to be more and more like God? You often hear the excuse in the business world today, I just cannot make it in the marketplace if I do not cheat. You're dead wrong. If you know anything about business, in your notes, integrity pays. Yeah, customers want to return to where they can trust the company. There's a study done of the 50 most profitable corporations in America. And one thing only that they had, all 50 had, that were in common, 
was they all had a moral code of ethics. It was the one thing they had in common. Because when you have a reputation, a reputation that we do not rip people off, and that we give value for value, we have a reputation, dollar for dollar, an honest day's work for an honest day pay, then people respect that, and you have repeat customers. So that is prospering with integrity. So in conclusion, three steps that get you on the road to integrity. Number one, make restitution when possible. And a good example of this was Zacchaeus in the Bible. Remember Zacchaeus? He was that little short fellow. When Jesus came to town one day, he could not see above the crowd. And the Bible says he climbed up in a tree. As Jesus came by, he looked up in that tree and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus, he was a dishonest tax collector. And in the Roman system, tax collectors were not paid. They just got the skim off the top, whatever they could collect. But they could, became the wealthiest people in town, but also the most hated. So after Jesus came to his house, he said in Luke 19, verse 8, If I have cheated anyone, I will pay him back four times as much. That is full restitution. I'm reminded of the guy who cheated the IRS. So he sent a letter with a $500 check and said, I have cheated the IRS. Here is a check for $500. Then P.S. If I still feel guilty, I'll send the rest later. That's not full restitution. Number two in your notes. The second step to integrity. Give God my full tithe. Look at Malachi 8. Is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple. See, God actually says that if you are not giving to God and you are paying your bills with stolen money that belongs to God, do not rip God off. One day you will give an account to him for it. See, people often say, oh, tithing, tithing, that's Old Testament. It's living under the law. But so are the Ten Commandments. Are you going to not keep them because they're Old Testament? In fact, because you are living under grace. You're living under grace and not under law. You should, in your notes, you should do more. Living under grace, we should do more. And the third step to integrity. In your notes, number three. Make a living honestly. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.28, The man who used to be a thief must give up stealing and do an honest day's work with his own hands. You need to live and act as if God were your boss. Work for the Lord, not for whomever your employer is. Make money honestly so you have a clear conscience. See, the Bible says that no dishonest person will be allowed in heaven. And so that means you and I don't stand much of a chance. Nobody stands a chance getting into heaven on their own because we've all sinned. But in your notes, Jesus paid for our dishonest ways by his work on the cross. Jesus took away God's wrath and he paid the penalty for our sin on that cross. And Jesus asks you to confess your sins, to rely on his forgiveness. He wants you to live a life of integrity. Number one, make restitution when possible. Number two, give God your full tithe. 
Number three, make a living honestly. Amen.